What's up? Dr. Emily Kybert here with Muscle Medicine Podcast. It is just you and me, ladies, today. And I wanted to talk about something that is really common that I see in my women who have Hashimoto's. So are you that woman who you reach up to wash or comb your hair, or you try to put your arm in your favorite jacket, or maybe you have trouble laying on one side of your body when you're in bed and you start to favor the other side. And then you start to notice that that arm is like hard just to even lift off your body or barely reach overhead. This could be something that you're struggling with called frozen shoulder. The medical technical name is adhesive capsulitis. So what is frozen shoulder? Frozen shoulder occurs when the capsule is inflamed, it thickens, and then it creates this contracture around the shoulder joint where the arm bone fits into the socket. This contracture and this tightening and this inflammation can lead to um, limitations in the range of motion of the joint. And it's this vicious, vicious cycle. I've seen it for the last 14 years in practice where there's less shoulder range, which leads to more contracture. And then more contracture leads to even less shoulder range. And women with Hashimoto's or low functioning thyroid, just hypothyroidism, have a higher probability or propensity to experience frozen shoulder symptoms. Listen up. Let me say that again, because a lot of women with Hashimoto's are like, what? Say what? There's a higher prevalence of frozen shoulder symptoms in women that have a higher TSH picked up on their blood work. I've seen it many, many times. Frozen shoulder is a long and painful process to rehabilitate. And there's many different approaches. And it's really hard to see. I mean, when we're talking about long, we're talking about nine months to a year. I've seen women who've been rehabbing a frozen shoulder for two years. And once they get that stuck shoulder moving again, next thing you know, the shoulder on the other side starts to get locked up and has this inflammatory contracture and thickening of the shoulder capsule. What is the best way to avoid a frozen shoulder? To have good breathing habits, daily breathing drills, to be proactive in our movement patterns, to strength train, and to get your thyroid checked. So who is at risk for a frozen shoulder? Are you like, oh my God, is this me? Women, just if we're a woman, 70% of cases are women over the age of 40, but I have seen women younger. Someone who has had a previous shoulder injury or shoulder surgery, or even just like trauma to the shoulder, any sort of surgery. So this is, we're talking about who is at risk for a frozen shoulder, a previous surgery that doesn't allow movement of the shoulder or the arm. So uh, surgery on the breast or open heart or anything like really upper body where you're wearing a sling, kind of like your arm has to be immobilized and stuck to your body can lead to frozen shoulder symptoms. Hormonal changes that happen in menopause or perimenopause, cervical disc herniations or cervical disc disease can have muscular compensations down into the shoulder that can lead to frozen shoulder symptoms. 
And one of the last kind of categories of people who are at risk for frozen shoulder is having a history of diabetes. So there was a study in 2017 that looked at 401 shoulders and 150 of those were controls around 90 of those people had were frozen like known frozen shoulder patients and they found that the prevalence of hypothyroidism is significantly higher in the frozen shoulder group so a higher serum tsh so do a blood draw, check your TSH. That's kind of the baseline for checking for thyroid condition. So that TSH level was higher with those that had frozen shoulder on both sides or were just really severe cases. And when we're talking severe cases, we're talking about you cannot lift your arm off your ribs, can barely move your arm, can't pick up anything, can't carry your purse. That would be a severe case of frozen shoulder. So ladies, If you have frozen shoulder, breathing, getting moving, getting the blood pumping, doing strength training, and getting your thyroid checked and making sure your thyroid levels are managed by a great functional medicine doctor, if you have a great endocrinologist, and also just looking at the root causes for hypothyroidism and the inflammatory triggers that can lead to Hashimoto's. We'll talk about that one in another podcast. So, There's different treatments, very traditional treatments for frozen shoulder. And again, frozen shoulder is difficulty reaching the arm overhead, pain, pain with laying on that shoulder in bed, limitation in your movement. So one of the first approach, like if you're going to see your primary care for a frozen shoulder is taking NSAIDs, ibuprofen, naproxen also known as Motrin or Aleve, to reduce the pain, the swelling, and the inflammation. This can often help relieve the pain at first, but it's really, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a wound. It doesn't address the underlying root cause of a frozen shoulder. Another common treatment is corticosteroid injections or strong anti-inflammatory to reduce the inflammation injected at the shoulder joint. So this can reduce the inflammation locally around the shoulder joint. And you're probably thinking, amazing, what else do I need to do? Give me the magic injection. But again, this is not addressing the root cause, especially if an underactive thyroid is involved. So one of the treatments is a corticosteroid injection. Typically, when there's a steroid injection, there is atrophy or wasting away or the muscles in the area getting smaller where the steroid was injected. So you just want to be really thoughtful. Do your research if you're going to get a steroid injection. Another treatment is physical therapy just to you know restore that shoulder movement, to get the mobility back, and then to strengthen the muscles around the shoulder that helps stabilize it. And I am a big believer, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while in physical rehab, strength training, movement, breathing, it's just essential for recovery, for frozen shoulder and healing properly. What can be the downfall of it is doing it for a really long time and doing the same things over and over and not getting the results you need. So you really need to look at any sort of weaknesses or movement patterns that are 
faulty or not super healthy in the body from head to toe outside of the shoulder. So oftentimes physical therapy for the shoulder, for frozen shoulder will happen only at the shoulder. But a lot of the muscles around the shoulder that help stabilize the shoulder, like serratus anterior, latissimus, they intertwine and weave in with our core muscles. So if you're not looking at the core and stabilizing the core as well as the shoulder, it's kind of like, you know, going hard charging down one path, but it's not the right path. Another thing that happens in physical therapy is not looking at old injuries. So if you've had an old surgery that can cause, for example, like if you had a gallbladder removed or an appendix removed, it's like an energy leak in the core. And that energy leak is going to cause somewhere else in the body to lock down and stabilize, which could be the shoulder. I've seen women with sprained ankles, that sloppiness in the ankle with every step they take. And hopefully we're taking like 10 to 12,000 steps a day. That sloppiness and instability in the ankle will work its way up the kinetic chain and can cause a shoulder to lock down. And I really think that physical therapy has to go hand in hand with a functional medicine doctor just to help regulate the thyroid and to help heal the connective tissue faster. So another traditional treatment of frozen shoulder is called MUA, manipulation under anesthesia. So basically you are sedated and you're taken into a surgical room, sedated, there's an anesthesiologist there, and then the doctor will forcibly move the shoulder and stretch the capsule while the patient is essentially asleep or knocked out or under sedation. And it's very, very forceful. There's usually some tearing of the capsule, the contracture and the scar tissue in the capsule. And it is very, very aggressive. I've seen patients with this procedure get their range of motion back in their shoulder initially, and they are like happy, happy clams. But what happens, which a lot of people don't tell you before going under MUA, manipulation under anesthesia, is a few months later, that contracture comes back and that original newfound range of motion in the shoulder starts to get lost and their frozen shoulder symptoms return because the, some of the underlying root causes have not been addressed, whether it's an old injury, a surgery, an injury somewhere else in the body, or a low-functioning thyroid that's not getting managed properly. And then the most aggressive treatment for a frozen shoulder is to surgically cut and release the capsule, right? Which seems like a little bit counterintuitive, right? So if the frozen shoulder is a contracture of the capsule, there's a creation of scar tissue, and then you go and cut the capsule, there's, a, there's essentially going to be scar tissue, right? Because you created a cut. So while this procedure can help patients get their shoulder range back initially, same as manipulation under anesthesia down the road, the shoulder starts to freeze again, just because underlying things are not getting addressed. Again, old injury, old surgeries, scar tissue around old surgeries, a thyroid not being properly addressed. So I really love to do prevention with all my women who I know have Hashimoto's. 
working on posture, working on breathing. So breathing, um, not in that like stressed out chest, short, shallow breathing that can overuse the muscles in the neck and our chest, pectorals, the muscles around the shoulders. We don't want those muscles to get overused. We want those to create proper tension and balance where it's needed. So working on breathing drills, breathing down and wide and into the low back, in the belly, and a long exhale. So the exhale should be twice as long as the inhale. So working on posture, working on breathing, strengthening the core. And I'm not talking about sit-ups. I'm talking about movements like we did when we were babies. So knees up to 90 degrees and breathing into the belly, doing some rolling patterns, coming onto hands and knees rocking. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about core. I'm not talking about crunches or like planks and jumps or plank push-ups or alternating like up, down, up, down planks with the elbows. Stuff that's like super basic because a lot of women with Hashimoto's can't handle that stuff anyway. I like to do, if we do any sort of soft tissue release in the capsule, because it is indicated, right? You have to get the capsule and the joint moving, but then you always want to create stability somewhere else after so that the muscles around the shoulder don't lock back down. I like to use active release technique. It's the gold standard in soft tissue massage created by Michael Leahy, who is brilliant. Also has like the largest thumbs on the planet because active release technique is done with your thumb and with like pulling tension in the tissue and then taking the muscle and the joint through its full range of motion. So if you think about If you just laid face down and got a massage, you're kind of only working the muscle in one plane without shortening and lengthening the muscle. So active release technique takes the muscle from a shortened position to a lengthened position while breaking up the scar tissue and really starting to change the quality of the tissue. And I have to say active release technique practitioners have just because the course is so rigorous, it's four days of anatomy, knowing the origin and insertion, the action, and just like the nuances between the muscles and how the muscles move past each other. Active release practitioners are the best trained in anatomy. They have the best touch because they're working on it. And just more, I have just found, you know, when I also refer for across the country, my patients to like the West coast, that the ART practitioners are just the most proficient and knowledgeable. So I like to do active release technique. And then the last piece would be a solid pressing program. And what does that mean? So pressing the weight overhead to grease the groove of the shoulder. It helps create synchronicity and integration between the core, the glutes, and the shoulder complex so that all those areas are talking to each other. So in terms of prevention, I don't love kind of banded shoulder exercises where you're pulling your arm out to the side and then you're pulling your arm in. That's really working rotation of the rotator cuff. I really like to do full body integration. So for example, if you're pressing, you need to dial your feet to build tension up the legs, into the glutes, taking a breath into the core, and then pressing the bell overhead. A lot of people think pressing is an upper body workout. It is a full body workout. I often like to start with a floor press, so pressing the bell on your back towards the sky because you don't have to negotiate the front ribs. So when we stand and we press, 
the fronts of our ribs can flare if we're not staying stacked, if we're not keeping our ribs stacked over our pelvis. So I'd like to start with floor pressing because it really allows just negotiation of the bell and form and is just a really great starting place. And you get sensory feedback from the floor to not over arch your back. So I love to start with the floor press if we're going to do pressing. And I love to use kettlebells. So why a kettlebell and not a dumbbell? So a kettlebell, and ladies, it is not a kettleball, even though I hear lots of women say it, it's a kettlebell instead of a dumbbell. So a kettlebell with the bell on the back of your wrist, this, there's like this offset distribution of weight that helps the shoulder grease the groove. Because you kind of, when you're holding the bell, have to grip it really strong. And there's a correlation of grip strength to shoulder stability. So people who have weak, sloppy, unstable shoulders have a really weak grip. So the kettlebell is a great way to kind of grip the bell and to kind of curl on the bell to create this neurological reflex that creates shoulder stability. So three things I look for when teaching women with Hashimoto's how to press Is their core stacked? So is their ribs over their pelvis? Is their wrist in neutral? So straight, not cocked back. And is their back swayed? So if their back is swayed, that means they're not stacked and they're getting into low back. I also like to make sure that women are getting their, just massaging any old scars, whether it's gallbladder surgeries, appendectomies, old breast scars. Massaging these areas can help with any sort of energy leaks in the body. And then the last one, of course, is to get your thyroid checked. TSH would be the baseline, but there are many, many more tests that can get checked that would be great with a functional medicine doctor or your endocrinologist. That is my approach to women I see with Hashimoto's who also are experiencing frozen shoulder symptoms. And just know, ladies, that if you have a frozen shoulder, get your thyroid checked. If you haven't had it checked, get your thyroid checked, get the blood work done, especially if you've been trying to rehab for years. If you've been going three times a week for months, for years, it's time to start something new. I am sharing a masterclass. I'm doing a live masterclass starting February 19th. You can sign up for it now. And it's three changes you need to make in your workout with Hashimoto's. A lot of us struggle with fatigue. We don't know where to start to work out. Should we pick up a weight? Should we put on our running shoes? Should we go to Pilates? And so this masterclass is really trying to clear up that confusion. What do our bodies need specifically living with Hashimoto's? So check out the link, come join me, sign up. It's free. It's live. You get to see my face instead of just hearing my voice. It's Dr. Emily Kybird, dremilykybird.com forward slash masterclass. And Thyroid Strong, I've been working on it for months. It's my online six week strength training program for women with Hashimoto's on how to work out without burning out, is coming out March 2nd. And it's only going to be kind of cart open, offered for a week to sign up right around February 19th as well. And then we're closing the cart February 26th. And then this newest group of women is, we're going to come together and go through the program together on starting March 2nd. 
So if you want to join, come check out the masterclass. That's where you get all the details on the course and just kind of how to refine your workout for you as a woman living with Hashimoto's. And, you know, I got lots of feedback from when I first released the course and have just made it so much better, sweeter, lots of strength workouts, lots of rehab exercises, bonus material from functional medicine docs on the underlying root causes of Hashimoto's. So I hope to see you there, dremilykyber.com forward slash masterclass. And ladies, if you have frozen shoulder symptoms, get assessed, not only from a movement expert, a chiropractor, a physical therapist, but also someone, have someone check out your thyroid, okay? Functional medicine doc, hopefully there's a good one in your area. All right. This is Dr. Emily Kybird with Muscle Medicine, and I hope to see you soon in our live free masterclass. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.